You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. It is Tuesday, August 17th. Today, uh, I'm going to let you hear my conversation with Josh Neighbors from Locked On Big 12. We discuss the AP Top 25 poll, uh, TCU fall camp, where some teams might fall kind of in the hierarchy of the Big 12. That's all right now with Josh Neighbors from Locked On Big 12. I mean, this this offseason, you know, everybody says, oh, once 4th of July hits, you know, it's like off the races for summer. Once media days hit, because of all the news that we had with the conference realignment stuff, it's been off for the races for for this summer. I mean, it, it's felt like we're flying. And now we're just about two weeks away here from the actual season. I'm excited for actual games. Yeah, it's closing in fast. And while the conference realignment talk has been really good content, uh, I'm ready to actually see games being played, get into a more normal rhythm of the season. And it will be fun to watch like how Texas and OU are received on the road. And if that has any sort of impact on maybe one of them dropping a dumb game or two, just because, uh, hey, the crowds are going to be pretty lubed up and fired up to uh, go after those those teams when they come to town. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I mean, they're, they're not going to be received very well. I think we already know that's the, uh, that's the bottom line, yeah. uh, which is going to be fun to see that the road environments. We've got the AP poll actually just came out uh let's see a little bit under a little bit over an hour ago as recording this so the way it shakes out your top five alabama oklahoma clemson ohio state and georgia and for me you know the reason why alabama is number one is based off of presumption because if i had to make my top five my number one team right now would be oklahoma and that is based off of what is returning to their team. At quarterback, uh, at, on, on defense, right, it's an uncharacteristically – well, I guess it's perceived as an uncharacteristically good Oklahoma defense comparative to Alabama, who's losing a lot this year. I mean, you look across the, the top five, the, the teams that are returning starting quarterbacks are OU and Georgia. And to me, if I had to make my top five, I would go Oklahoma one, I'd go Georgia two. So where are you in this conversation of Alabama's just being presumed number one because they won it all last year and it's Alabama? No, I agree with that. I mean, listen, like, if you vote Alabama number one, that's not a bad choice. Uh, You're never going to get killed for that, obviously. But as good as Bryce Young is presumed to be, we haven't seen him play yet. They're replacing a lot on offense. You know they're going to have talent. They'll be in the mix. But if you're talking about returning starters, you can definitely make a huge argument for OU. Spencer Rattler is a Heisman candidate. Uh, Marvin Mims is a monster. Their O-line is going to be good. Eric Young, the running back, is, is I think, going to add an extra dimension to that team. And what is this, year two or year three of Alex Grinch? So um, that defense getting a little more streamlined, understanding that system better, playing faster. With the offense they have, it's not like they have to hold teams to three and outs. But if they can do that periodically, then they're going to be really tough to beat. And They've owned the Big 12. I mean, like, that's just really how it is. It's sort of like Clemson and the ACC. You, you feel like they're going to maybe have one or two games a season where they really push. But for the most part, they've dominated the conference and should have a pretty good path to the college football playoff. The next team 
from the conference that makes an appearance is the Iowa State Cyclones. Now, we knew that they would be top 10. A&M is at six. Iowa State is at seven. Cincinnati is at eight. Notre Dame is at nine. And North Carolina is at number 10. The Iowa State Cyclones, number seven, Stephen, they are making their appearance in top 10. I mean, this is, I don't know. I'm, I'm just off the cuff here. It's got to be the first time in school history they're preseason top 10, right? I mean, that's it's pretty impressive. So, yeah. And once you see it, I think the thing for me is, we talk about it all offseason, though, but it's crystallized now. I mean, the place that Matt Campbell has this program, they are a preseason top 10 team. Which you're, if you're a preseason top 10 team in college football, and you're especially the Power 5 conference, you've got a legitimate chance to make the college football playoff. What a thing to say about the Iowa State Cyclones. It really is. I mean, I remember, I guess it was back when Paul Rhodes was there. I was watching a game with a friend, and Iowa State lost. And, you know, it was a typical game of names where they played close, but they couldn't finish it out. And we were discussing, like, well, you probably have to fire him. But then the next question is, can anybody actually win there? And Matt Campbell has figured out a way to do that. I mean, he's turned that thing around. They've gotten consistently better. And they're a group that's really benefited from this super senior COVID year, um, extra eligibility. And, I mean, that's the type of program that he's built. Like, really good college football players. Not sure how they project in the NFL. Doesn't really matter. Right now, you know, you got Brock Purdy, you got um, Kohler. Like, you, you have a lot of players on offense that can play. You have a defense that is really solid, a system um, with that three-three-five look that a lot of teams have copied that seems to work well against the modern offense. So he's an amazing coach, and I think the best news for Iowa State is these things can always change, but it, at least on the surface seems like he's pretty happy there and wants to uh, keep building. So um, I like their chances. I haven't dug into their schedule like week by week yet but they, they definitely look like the second best team in the league right now, right behind OU. And, and if they can find a way to, you know, split that matchup with them, maybe you're talking about winning a conference title. Yeah. The big key for them, you know, as, as somebody who has had to be the locked on resident Iowa state person, right. Cause we don't have them yet. I hope we do at some point. The big question, the big test is Iowa week two, right. Yeah. Iowa is a great measuring stick and it's a team that's always really tough and they've beaten Iowa State every time that Matt and they've played with Matt Campbell there I think it's been almost a decade since um, Iowa State has has beaten Iowa I think what's like four in a row that Iowa State has lost at home against Iowa and, and if they want to win the if they want to be in the college football playoff they've got to win that game because you figure that they're going to lose one to Oklahoma I mean look Beating them once was going to be hard. You not beat them twice. There's no chance yeah. they beat them twice. And that's kind of the one that we think is going to be the matchup in the Big 12 championship game. Um, you know, they've got, to, they've got to take care of this against Iowa. So I'm really glad. Week two, we're going to see this team. And also, they've got Northern Iowa week one. So hopefully no ULL trip up again, right? Yeah, that would really put a damper on it. So you hope you get through that non-conference schedule unscathed. But, yes, Iowa State-Iowa – I mean, it's always a good matchup, but that rivalry means a lot this year. I think it's like a 2.30 ABC kickoff. Um, it's going to be a huge game early in the season. All right, so the next team for the Big 12 is Texas. You have to go all the way down to 21, and I'll run through uh, the rest here. Oregon's 11, Wisconsin 12, Florida 13, Miami 14, USC 15, LSU 16, which I think is interesting. I think they're actually probably better than that. Uh, Indiana 17, Iowa 18, Penn State 19, Washington 20, Texas 21, 
Coastal 22, ULL is, they go by Louisiana, so Louisiana 23, Utah 24, and Arizona State. I'm surprised. I know they got talented teams. Everything happening there, though. They're right there at number 25. So Steve Sarkeesian's group gets the benefit of the doubt here, uh, coming at number 21. What are your thoughts on that? You think they should be the third team? Do you think I, – I think Oklahoma State would have been the third Big 12 team that would have ranked if I had to pick one. I know everybody loves the talent on Texas, but they still don't know who their quarterback is, and that concerns me. Yeah, I mean, death taxes on Texas being in the top 25. Yep. Um, it's kind of just printed and saying, but at least they're 21 and not like 15. I would go Oklahoma State before Texas. I think you can make an argument uh, that TCU could bump up there ahead of Texas. But, I mean, I get it. Steve Sarkeesian, a lot of excitement. They do have talent. Uh, John Robinson could be the best player in the league, honestly, you know, if, if that offensive line holds up well. So, figure out that quarterback situation, and they're looking pretty good. But they have to play. I mean, they have a pretty tough non-conference schedule. Arkansas is getting better with Sam Pittman. Um, Louisiana is, is very good with Billy Napier. So, that'll be a good test for them. Hey, it's it's almost a running joke at this point that they would kind of get the benefit of the doubt. But I, I get why there's a lot of upside with Texas if they can put things together quickly with with Coach Sark. We'll return to my conversation with Josh Neighbors in a minute. Before we do that, though, I did want to tell you about Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a great business, a family business. Today I'm leaving my work and I just happened to notice uh, my coworkers parked next to me. The valve caps on their tire are missing. And I was like, oh, no, maybe I can help them out. I look in my glove compartment. I have some valve caps that I bought from rockauto.com recently. I run in there. I'm like, hey, man, you want a couple of these? You know, go ahead and give it to them. It felt good, and I wouldn't have been prepared for that if I didn't visit rockauto.com when my own vehicle issue came about. Um, They let you know all the makes and models, all the different vehicles that are out there today. Rockauto will have exactly what you need to service your car today. Give it a go, rockauto.com. Um, amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Again, that's rockauto.com. And then the teams that are not ranked coming in here, we've got Oklahoma State, who are ostensibly the 26th ranked team. They got 107 votes to be in the top 25, um, and that puts them right there at second. Ole Miss has got 106. I actually thought they'd be ranked. Um, TCU gets 40, so they're your two teams. So Oklahoma State is 26th if you were going to extend the rankings out. TCU is 28th if you extend the rankings out. And then getting three votes to be ranked is also West Virginia. And it brings up a really interesting point, and it's something that you and I are about to talk about. The race for number three in this conference is fantastic. And also, you know, I was just thinking about a second ago, it's not outrageous to think maybe the weight of expectations crushes one of the two teams ahead of them and team yeah. number three at not saying they end up being that second team in the championship, but makes a push, right? What if this is not just a two horse race that we've been talking about? What if an Oklahoma loss to a Kansas state puts a team like a TCU, a West Virginia, a Texas an Oklahoma state. I've gone back and forth almost weekly, Stephen, on which team I think is best equipped to make that jump, to be that, third best team and to potentially give Iowa state or Oklahoma some issues. So uh, what do you think about, I mean, the positioning because all of those teams, there's a clear tier in this conference. There's OU, Iowa state, 
and then there's everybody else. But that second middle class to me is Texas, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and TCU. I'm pretty comfortable saying that those four teams are ahead of the rest of the conference. I like that list. Um, yeah, it will be fascinating. Like, I think Oklahoma State and TCU are kind of similar. There's pretty high internal expectations, you know, nationally, not as much, but they have talent, the skill position, the returning quarterback, defenses that are really solid. Uh, it's just about putting it all together. You know, Texas has a new coach. I'll throw in one more team there. I like what West Virginia does and Neil Brown. That might be worth watching. And I'll, I'll probably get killed for this as a host of Locked on TCU. But I really like Dave Aranda's defense at Baylor. Now, mm. I don't know anything about Zeno and Bohannon and apparently Blake Shapin's in that mix too. But they were in a lot of games last year, Josh, just because, you know, they held teams to like 17 points. I know they got a huge nose tackle from LSU. That's a pretty rare thing in this league. Like, if they can just get a little bit better on offense, I feel like they could be a team, too, that maybe wins eight or nine games. Um, it, that offense has to make a huge jump, though. Yeah, they do. Last year. Under I, was, I was speaking to Garrett Ross, our, our, our mutual mutual contact here at Ross, talks mm-hmm. all things Baylor. And he, he seemed a bit more positive than I think – definitely a bit more positive than I am. Um, I just think – here's the thing. That offensive line has got to be better. Right, because yeah. if, if your offensive line is bad, and TCU had a little bit of this in the passing game, I thought last year at times. I mean, not mm-hmm. they're pretty good at the running. I thought run blocking, they're pretty good. Um, if your offensive line's a consistent, it's going to kill you, right? Because that means that your your offense is in bad spots. It's going to put your de- bad offensive lines put your defense in bad spots too, right? They they just have a way of putting your offense. You know, things get inconsistent and your defense ends up being on the field a lot more than they'd like to be and also not in good field position positioning usually too. So I think for me, it's almost too big of a jump personally to think that they would go that way. Also, the quarterback, quarterbacks, it's going to be an issue. I mean, none of those guys want to win that job and it's right there for the taking, it feels like. No, you're right. And I think those QBs are very different. You know, what what little we see is Zeno. He's a drop-back passer, and I think Gary Bohannon's more of like a downhill runner. So whoever they choose really determines what they're going to do. Um, three is probably too big of a jump for them. They, they're going to be better. I think they could be a team yeah. that definitely needs to get to, like, bowl eligibility. But, yeah, in my mind, I really think it comes down to Oklahoma State and TCU and just who can kind of manage that talent better um, and maximize it. And, I'm like, Mike Gundy, he does seem to do better – when expectations are lower, um, Spencer Sanders has to be more consistent. But that might be kind of the one to circle when those two teams meet in Stillwater as far as who can sort of separate themselves from that crowded middle of the pack. Because you're right. I mean, Iowa State, obviously, like maybe they do sort of crumble under the weight of expectations. But it, it does feel like OU, Iowa State, and then it's just kind of a jumbled mess after that. Uh, as far as conference positioning goes. Uh, I'm going to ask you now about my quarterback rankings. Uh, You tweeted about this last week. You tried to bring on the consternation of TCU fans upon me. I I think one person called the list a joke. Um, I think the person also said Max Duggan should be number two, which was like – Yeah, that was a little high for me. That was a little high for me. (laughs) So so I ended up putting him – I'm trying to think back to what I did now. Was it say six, I think it was? So yeah. I understand why you all might think it's a bit far, 
uh, to have them that far down the list, which I understand. So I had Rattler at one, Purdy at two, Sanders at three, Thompson at four, Shock at five, Duggan at six, Daggy at uh, seven, Card slash Thompson at eight, Baylor quarterback job winner at nine, and KU job winner at 10. So my, my thing with Duggan is this, is that there's a reason Tyler Shuck is being heralded as a guy you could go. Like he, he is, he has the fourth or fifth best odds to go number one in the draft. That is based off really strong physical traits. And he's going to be in an offense that's going to throw the ball around and let him show how good of no pun intended, how good of a quarterback that he can be. Skylar Thompson is back for his 12th year of college. Um, he and I actually, he was a freshman the same year. I was a freshman in college to give you some context. So that's how long he's been there playing football. Which is, which is, you know, that's great to have. That's why I give him the edge. Um, Max Duggan, to me, is not necessarily better than those two guys. I, I just don't see it yet. Yeah, well, first of all, I didn't hate your list. Now, I threw it out there to our people. And, yeah, my guy Tommy, who I love Tommy. He's a loyal listener. He love got him Tommy. second. I said the next day, like, that's way too high. <laughs> that's way too high for Max Duggan based on what he's shown. <laughs> But, hey, purple-colored glasses, I guess. Go, go, hey, whatever he wants, man, whatever he wants. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I put him at four. I just – I don't – I got to see more from Shuck, and I got to see more from Max, too. But I just want to see it on the field at Texas Tech. He was pretty pedestrian in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And I put him above Skylar Thompson, even though the, it's, the experience factor does matter. And K-State was much different with Will Howard in, in the lineup. Like, they were just a much worse team. And that's – like, that's worth saying, even though – Thompson is known more as a game manager. I just feel like with the weapons they have on offense with Zach Evans and Quentin Johnston, um, there's also, and, and I'll talk about this a little bit when we get into some fall camp talk, but Quincy Brown is a name to know. He was originally going to go to Old Mid, or excuse me, Mississippi State in 2020 as a wide receiver. He had like an Alabama offer as a four-star recruit. Eligibility issues. Anyway, he didn't get there. Now he's at TCU, and apparently he's like tearing it up at fall camp. So, they have some options at wide receiver. Uh, O-line has to protect. You know, Max is sort of a lightning rod. Like, there's people in the TCU fan base that think it's everybody else's fault. And, you know, Max has no – he's absolved from all responsibility. It's all about the O-line and wide receivers not getting open and play calling. And then there's also folks that think he's just terrible. Um, he has limitations. I don't think he's particularly accurate at times. He's never really figured out the deep ball yet, but I do think with better conditions, with you know an O line that protects better, with better play calling in a full spring, he, yeah, he he could make a jump. Now, all that being said, there was like a three game stretch last year, and we talked about this before, Josh, where they they basically became like a wishbone team. I mean, they were running the ball <laughs> like eighty percent of the time, and I don't know if he was hurt or what was going on. Um, but they just started committing to running the ball downhill, and that was it. So things have to open up a little bit more, and he has to make plays. I just I, – I, I think there's potential there with him to be like the fourth or maybe even third best quarterback in the conference because, again, like once you get past Rattler and Purdy, yeah, like there's there's nobody else on that list that can't be jumped, I don't think. I know all this discussion about fall camp and football is getting you excited for football season. And, man, it's coming up today. I was uh, talking with a buddy of mine. We always do a prediction pool. You know, we pick like five to ten games a week and just keep standing, see 
who does the best. It's for bragging rights. And if you're somebody who wants to do a little bit more than just predicting things for bragging rights, why don't you try out betonline.ag run by Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. He has all the latest lines in college football and the NFL. Get prepared today. Get ready. Betonline.ag. Give it a try. Let's finish up uh, the podcast and close up shop with Josh Neighbors from Locked On Big 12. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. And when we're discussing the upper bound limits of what Max Duggan can do, yeah. I'm I'm with you. The problem is, is that if you look at Skylar Thompson's numbers, I think it's a case of out of sight, out of mind, because Skylar Thompson is really, is really solid. And we're talking about a group of quarterbacks where it's Spencer Sanders is the opposite of whatever solid is, but he's probably out of that group of the next year. The most talented guy, I think it's, I'm pretty comfortable saying he's the most talented out of everybody else. You got Scott, you got him, Skylar Thompson, who's solid, but was injured. You've got Tyler Shuck, who is got the physical traits, but really could not hold off Anthony Brown at Oregon last year. You got Max Duggan, who's inconsistent. Jared Dagey was benched in the bowl game last year, right? And then you've got yeah. quarterback battles the rest of the way down. You're totally right with nobody can be jumped. It's just that this is this is a weird quarterback group. And sure, the, the, I mean, like any season, the postseason rankings for this are going to be a lot different than the preseason rankings. But going in right now, I think it's just more like my comfort level with those guys. You know, I, that's, that's why I put Skyler number four and, and Tyler Shuck number five. And that's fair. I mean, he's got to prove it. Um, and, you know, I, I've said this before. The thing with Max is there's a lot of great qualities to his game. He's tough. He's durable. He can run. Um, I think he's a good leader. But when I when I start listing them, I get about six or seven down the list before I say throwing the football. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously a really important thing <laughs> for quarterbacks. Like he's got the intangibles down, but it's about actually making the throws. Uh, and if you can't do that, then it just puts big limitations on the offense. All right, let's get into camp a little bit. Uh, what's been the what's been the number one storyline that you're hearing? Uh, probably Max Duggan, but is there anything else besides the offense and Max Duggan that you're hearing? From camp right now, obviously, new offensive coordinator, and then they're trying to improve upon what was a pretty pedestrian season, I'd say, for TCU last year. Yeah, so a couple of things. I think first, uh, you know, this secondary group, especially at corner, is has the chance to be really good. Travis Hodges Tomlinson came on last year and did a nice job. And you got two guys coming back from injury and Noah Daniels and Keaton Stewart. Noah Daniels um, is an NFL-type player. You know, he's going to get some draft buzz if he can stay healthy. Stewart was really good for them before he was injured. So you have three experienced corners, um, and, and that's a huge plus for Gary Patterson and his team because it's going to allow them to play a lot of man coverage, which is what they want to do. On the offensive side of the ball, I think something I'm watching, we haven't really established yet, and I don't know if it's if there's actually competition or if Gary's just kind of playing coy, but he hasn't named Chandler Morris as the number two QB mm-hmm, at this that. moment. And I think that's pretty huge. Like if if he doesn't win that job outright over Matthew Downing and Sam Jackson as a true freshman, then I, I really start to wonder if he's going to see the field, you know, much at all at his time during TCU. Because I, I thought when he committed, oh, maybe this is a guy that could even push Max. That wasn't the case. So if he's not established as the number two QB, like if he's not playing a lot of snaps against Duquesne, then you, you might want to temper your expectations on, how much of an impact he'll have as a transfer quarterback. He is learning a new system. So we'll see how that kind of washes out. And and then finally, I mean, this wide receivers group, it's weird. Uh, there's a ton of potential. They're not very proven. 
But Quentin Johnson, who I said earlier, he really came on at the end of last year. Um, I, I mentioned Quincy Brown as a name that's made a lot of noise at camp. Uh, J.D. Spielman, the Nebraska transfer, he got right. hurt really early in the season. But, I mean, he was he had like three years of over 700 yards receiving at Nebraska. So he could be a, a good player. Tay Barber's made uh, things happen in the slot before. They moved Marcel Brooks, who's a former five-star recruit, from defense to offense, and he's playing wide receiver. He's a great athlete. So they have a lot of options there if they can find ways to get those guys the football. And then finally, I mean, Zach Evans, it's it's his time to be the starting running back. They're not splitting carries anymore. And he should get, you know, 20 to 25 touches a game, I think, this season. And we'll see, you know, how, how that ends up with how many yards he gets. But um, it was pretty clear by the end of the year he was the best running back on the field. And apparently in fall camp he's, he's proven that more and has really worked in the offseason. So a lot of exciting things on the offense to be um, – optimistic about it just actually has to come together when they hit the field in a couple weeks yeah and you and I have talked about the you know there's so much to look forward to uh for TCU especially on the offensive line and I mean you know just compared to last year I've heard everybody's been talking about the kid from Memphis I mean everybody's talking about this guy any update on how he's playing in camp and was Eze Obina is that how it's pronounced that's right. Uh, yeah, so he's huge. He's like six, <laughs> seven, three thirties. That's the first thing that you'll notice. Um, he's definitely going to win like that right tackle job, and he's done a nice job in camp so far. It is obviously a jump from Memphis to TCU, but I think I, I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be a good anchor on that line. Steve Avila is uh, their center, and he's gotten a lot of buzz too. Gary Patterson thinks he could be a Remington, like a Ward watch list type guy. Um, and then Wes Harris is another big dude. He's, you know, 330 plus and over six feet tall. He's going to be at one of those guard spots. He went down last year with a knee injury after like three or four games. So the O-line is big. They're physical. Um, you, you said it. They run block really well. It's about getting that pass protection down. But if, if you know those, if you got three out of five, like those are three pretty good bookends. Um, I, I think they, this is going to be a good unit, much better than last year for sure, which is not a huge bar to cross, but um, it, it's an improvement. Yeah, and then who do you see really being the leader of this defense uh, coming this year? Obviously, Garrett Wallow moves on. Is it going to be D. Winters in that middle linebacker spot, you think, leading this defense? I know it's a defense that's usually known for secondary play, uh, and, and at least lately it has been. Uh, do you think he is that guy? Yeah, I think it's D. Winters. And, uh, you know, Wallow was more of your prototypical middle linebacker. Right. Winters is fast. He's a little more slender. But um, he's, he's the dude. And then another name to know at linebacker, Jamoy Hodge. He's a Juco transfer. Uh, Gary really likes him. He looks the part. It, just seeing some pictures from practice. But to my knowledge, he hasn't officially won a starting job. So I think he's still competing, you know, to be at that other linebacker position. Josh, like, the thing about TCU and linebackers, if you're a linebacker in Gary Patterson's defense, you're going to have over 100 tackles. It's just, mm -hmm. I don't know, like he just does that. It is every single year, whether it's Traven Howard or Paul Dawson or Garrett Wallow, um, Ty Summers, the list goes on. Like he just produces really good talent there. So I think D. Winters is your dude, and I expect him to be, you know, the next in a pretty long line of, of productive players of that position. I appreciate Josh Neighbors from Locked On Big 12 doing a little crossover edition of the pod with me today. 
I'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday through Friday. We'll be doing shows. Locked on Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.